It's the Wealth and Wisdom Podcast, providing you wisdom on investments, taxes, retirement, and other topics that listeners will benefit from, all in hopes of helping you build and enjoying your wealth your way. Here's your host, Michael Loftus of Loftus Wealth Strategies. Hello, this is Michael Loftus for Wealth and Wisdom TV and now podcast. Of course, you can watch here on YouTube, but also available on all the various podcast platforms. Link below to Spotify, Apple, you name it. You can download it, subscribe, and all those other great items. So episode number four, we're going to be talking about three different topics and then also get into our mailbag, okay? First up, quote of the month. There are no secrets, just stuff you haven't learned yet. Keith Cunningham. Isn't that the truth? Somebody who likes to read, try and go through a couple books a month, absolutely believe in that one. So first up, our subject is the, let me click on that, the retirement marathon. Now, I will tell you, I am not a marathoner, but my youngest daughter, Bridget, is preparing right now for a half marathon to be run out at University of Arizona where she goes to school, raising money for the Alzheimer's Association. So, have a little bit of insight here from Bridget, but they are similar to the retirement process. How? Planning and preparation. No doubt about it. Right now, for her, she's following an app from Nike, tells her how many miles, sprints, what to eat, workout days, you name it. It's all mapped out for her to get her ready for the day of the race. Same thing with what we do with our clients on the financial planning and wealth management side. Financial planning, tax planning, income planning. If you're not retired yet, of course, retirement savings planning, all right? Insurance, long-term care, you know it. It's all about preparation. So when you retire, you have that peace of mind to know that all bases are covered. Also, of course, includes the money management side of things. Before a marathon, proper diet, no doubt about it, right? A lot of time you're gonna carb overload to make sure you have all that energy to get yourself ready, right? In your retirement planning, you wanna pay very close attention as you get closer to make sure you don't go through a lot of losses. Now, I'm recording this December of 2022, been a very difficult, volatile year. We're gonna get into that in a second, but you don't wanna go through big losses. So it's a good time to prepare, speak with your future advisor, make sure you're minimizing risk as you get into retirement. There's something called sequence of returns. And when you retire and where your portfolio is makes a big difference. So make sure you have the proper diet or the proper portfolio. Okay, next one up, marathons. It is very tempting to come out and be the rabbit, go too fast. Same thing with retirement planning, right? Early on, spending too much money, not saving enough money. Our son graduated last year. He's in his first 401k program. Told him to start out small, worry about paying his bills, getting used to things. But as time goes on, you want to change that plan, right? It's all about, when I talk about the financial plan, money in, money out, surplus, deficit. When you have that surplus, we want to make sure we're not just buying toys all the time. 
you want to make sure that you're putting some of that way for your future retirement, okay? Next up, click on the screen. Preparing for market volatility in 2023, as if we haven't had enough this year. Talk about that in a second. So a couple things here, some predictions from the experts. <clears throat> I don't make predictions, but uh, M&A, mergers and acquisitions. Some point we're going to see really bad market volatility in 2023. Bloomberg tracks the forecasts of many market handicappers and reveal the average forecast for the S&P in 2023 is down. First time aggregate prediction has been down since 1999. We know what happened after that. Morgan Stanley says the markets in 2023 will face extreme volatility. Okay, relates the market struggles to a 19-foil-style boom-bust inflation cycle. Eh, we'll see about that. And then JPN stocks were slumped for the first half. Agree with that. Fundamentals will likely deteriorate as financial conditions continues to tighten and monetary policy turns even more. So what's our thoughts on this? Well, the first thing is, like I said, we don't really predict. We're looking at the markets. We follow, if you haven't seen before, our cycle process. Four different cycles, both on based on growth inflation and policy. Right now, we're in cycle four. Okay, in cycle four, it's the worst cycle. Unfortunately, this is where we are more risk off. Growth slowing, check. Inflation decelerating, check. Right? CPI report came out. Market went a little gaga early, coming back. But this is part of what we know is going to happen. It's not going quickly. It's going slowly, which means disinflation. We will continue to see it slowly go down, but not that quick, okay? And that's one of the reasons policy, the Fed, we feel, a lot of people feel, market doesn't believe in it yet, but that we're going to be higher for longer on rates. So let's get up to probably 45 5%, which is the terminal rate, and stay there through 2023. At this point... The market does not believe that because the Fed has lost a lot of credibility. Okay, so a couple different things. Portfolio review, absolutely time. We just talked about that a second ago. Uh, for us, with our process, you can see our latest market update uh, up here, link up here and below. But <clears throat> right now, we are definitely in risk off. A lot of cash. Okay, been starting to add some precious metals. And with the latest CPI report, we're going to look to finally start adding in some bonds. We think that's going to be a really good place to go forward. What I'm not saying is a lot of equity exposure, especially high beta. Now, we're looking at cycle four through the second quarter of next year. Six months, more to come. Follow us for updates on that, okay? If you already retired or retiring soon, is it okay to have some volatility in your portfolio? Does it need to be avoided altogether at this stage in your life? Well, based on what I, what I just said, you know what I think and feel. Obviously, this is a time for risk off. Prepare that portfolio. We are not a buy and hold shop. You're typical 60-40. We're very tactical in nature. Uh, although we have similarities in the other cycle, this is one of the few cycles where we really reduce risk and looking to achieve a different objective, okay? What's your advice to someone who sleeps or worries a lot about happening in the market on a week-to-week -week basis, okay? 
Well, look, a couple things. One, we have been fortunate, blessed, caught, whatever you want to, whatever you'd like to, okay? But the Fed has been pumping money into this market, liquidity, for years, 14 years. It's the longest bull market in history. We are overdue, right? Cycles are good. They are healthy for the markets. You just have to be prepared for it. The key is to hopefully minimize that risk, not get all those losses, maybe with some of the changes you're making, especially what we see now coming with precious metals and bonds, make back some of those early losses, stabilize your portfolio because we will get out of this. But it is a, I'm not going to call it a bear market yet, okay? Get into that in a second, but you know we're definitely in a downturn, okay? And I think that more is to come, which is how we're positioned right now. So it's part of the cycle, but you should be able to handle 10, even 15% type returns, and then hopefully get some of that back before we hit the big number, and then be set up for the next bull market, and there will be one. Okay, next up, click on my screen here. We're going to talk about stock market topics to know, all right? So a couple different things. We have a lot of acronyms in this business, okay? Uh, what's the difference between bid and ask, right? You got buyers and sellers. All right, I just put in a trade here a couple minutes ago. I put a limit order in there, meaning limit, here's the price and no less that I'm willing to accept, okay? So I'm trying to make sure that I don't get some crazy because sometimes when you look at some thinly traded ETFs or stocks, you could have a big spread between bid and ask, what someone's willing to buy and what someone is willing to sell. So that's why, especially in this environment, I'm doing a lot of, uh, limit orders as well. Okay, so bid ask, pretty simple. Okay, is it important to understand if we're in a bull bear market? Just talked about that right now, definitively in a downtrend. Some people will call correction 10, 20% is a bear market. Now we've been over 20 in the S&P, we're over 30 in the NASDAQ, about 28 in Russell. So, you know, that's why I say bull or bear, at the end of the day, we are in a downtrend until proven otherwise, okay? Can you explain some of the more popular trading strategies? So buy and hold, okay, pretty simple. You buy, you set up a model, 60, 40, 60 equities, 40 in bonds, and you stick with that and maybe you rebalance it twice a year, once a year, whatever the case might be. I do not believe in that philosophy. I think if you go back, whether it's 08, 15, I could give you 2020, and right now, this year, 2022 is the worst year in history for a 60-40 portfolio. Why? Because bonds are having a worst history, worst year in history, okay, actually underperforming the equity market. So, you know, the buy and hold strategy to me really isn't working anymore, okay? I think a more tactical approach makes sense. Now, when we get into a our next bull market, you know, we're going to set that portfolio and probably let that run a lot longer than what we're doing today. Okay. So definitely some difference. Day trading. We know what that is. People are getting in and out, clearing out the book at the end of the day. Don't recommend. Well, most of our viewers, especially our clients, we are definitively not doing that. Um, so I would personally stay away from that. All right. What's the difference between the NASDAQ down and S&P? NASDAQ's primarily technology. So very pure, down much more than the S&P year-to-date. So the S&P 
is actually about 10 to 15 points better than the NASDAQ. Why? Because the S&P has all different sectors. For instance, even though oil has had a big turnaround here recently to the downside, it's still up this year, okay? Healthcare just went positive. Consumer staples are about even. Utilities, next one, I was thinking about that one. Utilities is making a move right now, kind of flat for the year. So you have all the different sectors, including industrials, materials, tech, etc. So it's a more blended return, okay? Also, the S&P is uh, uh, size based on company size, okay? So some of the bigger names, Apple Tech, are going to have a bigger position, okay, within the S&P. And the Dow is 30 stocks equal, okay? And that is more of a value and defensive play, okay? Another reason why it's done a little bit better than the NASDAQ and S&P year to date, okay? Now, in a good market, we're going to be in all of those, okay? Overweight tech, high beta, uh, and then have some in the S&P. But right now, no, we started selling NASDAQ actually, actually about this time last year, in fact. Uh, almost identical. Our first sale was about uh, 12.1, okay? What is volume and why is it important to the stock market? Well, it's real important to me, okay? We look at three different things, price, volume, and volatility. So price shows us a lot of things. Now, for me, when I look at a chart, I'll put down a moving average, a 20-day moving average, and I want to see if that volume is above that to see if we have true buying urges going in there. So we're seeing a, a surge, not just, it might be an urge, but a surge, okay? So we're seeing some oomph, some buying, okay? And also the volume, when you have all these institutional and head funds and algorithms, right? That's where momentum comes from, is volume. If a stock is moving up, okay, stocks are moving up, you're gonna see a push on a lot of high volume, where the last few days when we've had down markets, we've had lower volume, okay? So it's a big part of our individual process. All right, let's wrap this up with, hold on, here it is, the mailbag. So always get questions from our listeners, specifically on our YouTube channel. So first up, we have David from Pennsylvania. I have an annuity that I bought nine years ago, and it will mature in a year. Right around the time my wife is scheduled to retire, uh, I'll have the option of turning into lifetime income or moving into an investment altogether. What should I do? Well, David, I don't know your entire situation, okay? So I will give you a generic idea and thought here. Okay, first one, it's going to mature in a year. What does that mean? Annuities have what's called a CDSC, Contingent Deferred Sales Charge. I spent a lot of my career on the corporate side working for the number one annuity company, so I do understand annuities quite a bit, okay? Now, as far as annuities, even though I was in that business for probably 12, 13 years, I don't personally do a lot of annuities, but some clients like them for peace of mind and these, um, these income riders, which will give you some type of guaranteed income stream, whether it's three, four, 5% based on age. So some clients, for peace of mind, to sleep at night, they do like them. Now, I have some concerns. You got to make sure you look at expenses. How long is that CDSC? The longer the CDSC, the higher the advisor's getting paid. So as far as what you should do, I would have to look at, do you have a pension? Where's your Social Security? Because by definition, both pension and Social Securities are guaranteed income streams. 
That's what an annuity is. So do you need an annuity in that scenario? I would say no. Okay, so everyone's circumstance is different. So on a case by case, we do address that. Alexis from North Carolina. Uh, my husband is 13 years older than me. Getting a call here. Turn that off. Okay. Um, and the only life insurance he has is provided by his job. So he has none when he retires. Should I take a policy on him since I'll probably outlive him for several years? Well, a couple things. One, in our financial planning process, like I said, we look at long-term care, life insurance, all of those items. Now, when you're working for a company, generally you're in a group policy, you're going to get lower rates because actuarially they look at everybody in that pool, okay? So the older, younger, healthy, whatever the case might be, and you're going to get a better price. So the first question is, will they allow you to continue that? Now, government allows you to do that. Some companies do, but you're going to take over that payment, and then you might see some jumps in costs. So that's uh, one of the things you want to consider. The next thing is, uh, is he insurable? right? If he's 13 years older, depends on how old this individual is. I will tell you, since we've went through this health crisis, underwriting standards have gotten harder, okay? So the younger you do life insurance, the better. I'm not going to get into some details. I'll put a link here and some stuff below to some videos I've done on this, but, you know, generally, and I've done this for myself, I have a permanent policy that I did years ago for X amount of dollars, okay? Well, my wife, I did a term policy through the kids' uh, education years, okay, to make sure that we're covered there. Now, we might get her a uh, policy or maybe we do a long-term care joint policy, a lot of different options. So regardless, if he's insurable, I always think it's a good idea, whether it helps pay for long-term care or allows you to replace some income and some other items. Last question, Jerry, in Florida. I'm retiring soon, and I asked my financial when I should think about starting my social security. Um, he really didn't have an opinion on this. Sorry to hear that. What am I missing? Isn't this part of the retirement planning process? Without question. Okay. So the software we have, will go through that scenarios. Do you start it? You want to take it at 62? What's the impact? Do you want to take it at 65? Full retirement age, whether it's 66, seven, whatever the age is. Now, I have several people in that 65 ranges last year, and we're looking at things a little bit differently because last year we had a pretty decent increase, 5.6%. This year, over 8%. So I'm having everybody rerun their Social Security statements, update their plans, because it might make sense to start it now at 65 to start getting that income versus waiting until 66 or 67. Again, you can go online, ssa.gov. I've got a video there as well on how to pull down your statement, but it is definitively a big part of your financial planning process. Income is a big part, right? And income is coming from Social Security, pension if you have one, and then, of course, your investments. Click on next. Thank you so much for watching and listening to our latest Wealth and Wisdom podcast, video podcast. This is Michael Loftus for Wealth and Wisdom TV and Loftus Wealth Strategies. Hope to see you soon. Thanks again. Thanks for tuning in to the Wealth and Wisdom Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to schedule time with Michael Loftus to review goals and or financial plans, please give us a call at 302-251-8901. 
You can also visit us at lwsde.com to contact or check out many resources, including our video blog. Lastly, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite app. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and pretty much wherever you can find shows. Material discussed is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Please consult your accountant and attorney for specific advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Loftus Wealth Strategies, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 